You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside and outside the Fox 59 CBS 4 Podcast Studio. Welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Getting closer and closer to NFL Draft Weekend. Alongside Mike Chappell and Joe Hopkins, I'm Dave Griffiths. Great show on tap for you all today. We will compare the Carson Wentz trade to the recently executed Sam Darnold trade. See exactly uh, how the Colts haul or the Colts, uh, what the Colts had to give up, I guess, uh, stacks up against how uh, what the Panthers had to give up to get Sam Darnold. Uh, we will explore some more mock drafts in our weekly mock draft roundup. And uh, also uh, our very own Joe Hopkins has his mock draft up. Check it out online now, fox59.com, cbs4indy.com. Send him nasty messages on Twitter for it. It'll be fantastic. But first... We start with the news around the NFL. It is Medical Combine weekend in Indianapolis, taking place Friday and Saturday without the regular NFL Combine. The medical is still going on. And Mike, I know that we've, over the times that we've done this podcast before, you've talked about the medical aspect of the Combine as perhaps the most important aspect of the Combine, just because you get your guys, your doctors, in the room with these prospects for the first time. You can really put them through the workup, and that information that you get, each individual team can gather itself, is crucial in determining where exactly these guys want to fit on their big boards. You know, you could, and you could argue that these teams get paranoid because, you know, I've had players tell me, yeah, they – they were concerned that I had a broken hand back in, you know, as a when I was a sophomore in high school. But but they're investing, you know, the, the, these teams are investing millions in these players. So they want to be – this is the one area that you can almost be as sure as possible on what you're getting. You're not pos- for sure talent-wise what you're getting. Maybe the guy's a practice player, not a game player or whatever. But you've got to know from the start that he's healthy. I mean, that's that's the the one given. And as much as is put in now with NFL Network and ESPN on the 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 the, the workouts that that we're so used to seeing and all that medical exams, medical exams, and, and the face to face interviews uh, are so important. Which you know, no, there's right now we don't have the face to face. There's Zoom, but medical exams are number one. And it's really not close what number two is because you've got to know what you're investing in. I know Joe loves seeing uh, prospects running around in their underwear on the Lucas Oil Stadium turf. But, uh, Joe, unfortunately, you don't get that this year. Just the uh, the behind closed doors medical will have to do. Satisfy your itch. Yeah, I've had to go back and look at past combines to scratch my, my underwear itch. <laughs> but <laughs> but in all seriousness... Yeah, you go down that rabbit hole, Joe. <laughs> but in all seriousness, it's been really difficult even just putting this rundown together to find like measurements on players. And, you know, it all used to be organized and a level playing field for everybody. You know, some of these pro day numbers, I can't even believe. It's crazy how many players have run four threes and four twos during this pro day session that right. would probably be more so four fours or four fives on the combine turf. So it just kind of skews everything. And I mean, last year we were kind of past all of this by the time the pandemic hit this year. Um, it's going to be very difficult for evaluators to really uh, get, get a good feel for players. Well, one real one thing, one thing I'm curious, Joe is when it comes, you know, the, the main thing about this is the comparisons. You have 10, 20 years of comparisons of guys on the same playing field. I'm wondering when they get back, hopefully, to the 
normal combine uh, situation next year, whether you just almost write off these numbers as far as speed. Now, you know, a bench press is a bench press. But with some of these 40 times, I just don't know we're comparing apples and, and apples when it comes to this year and, and, and times at, the, at Lucas Oil. So I want to see how they do this because they put a lot – you know, we always complain about is too much put on a 4-3 or a 4-3-5, but, but, but they do. So I'm wondering how if maybe they just kind of on the 40 times take those out and throw them out when you, when you look over the years on how you compare times because you're right. They're faster. Well, they're faster on their own turf, and, you know, I, I don't think that should be a surprise. I wonder how they take this and handle it in, over the long haul as far as punching those numbers into the computer and seeing what you've got. Yeah, I think they'll kind of just refer to them as the pro day times. I mean, even right. when we did have the combine, a player would run at the combine, and then their pro day time would always be better. And so we, we always just kind of take the pro day times with a grain of salt. It's kind of... Uh, a chance for the player to really shine in a light that makes them look well. So I, I think they'll kind of have an asterisk next to them. Correct. There was one little medical hiccup from pro days around the country. NFL.com's Ian Rappaport reporting that Notre Dame offensive tackle uh, Liam Eichenberg is among the fighting Irish players not in Indianapolis for medical evaluations because he tested positive for COVID-19 at his pro day. So uh, the plan is now to get him evaluated in a couple days after he clears COVID protocol. But obviously, that's not happening this weekend, uh, keeping him out of the uh, the little bubble, I guess, that uh, they're creating to to ensure this this medical evaluation for all the players who are here. Uh, can go off uh, hopefully without a hitch. So uh, we'll update next week on any significant developments out of medical evaluations. You always see one or two things come out of that. Uh, you just hope that it's not net anything too serious. Uh, but nevertheless, I'm, I'm sure that we'll have one or two things to talk about uh, next week when uh, when all the, uh, the things leak from uh, details about about that. So. Uh, more news around the NFL this week. Uh, Colts' own Reggie Wayne inducted into the Senior Bowl Hall of Fame, which I didn't know existed until Joe put it on this rundown for us this week. But nevertheless, Reggie Wayne is a Senior Bowl Hall of Famer, maybe working toward becoming a Pro Football Hall of Famer, or Mark Chappell working on that every year, I know. Four other inductees to the Senior Bowl Hall of Fame, defensive lineman Cam Jordan with the Saints, defensive back Patrick Sertain, who played for the Dolphins and Chiefs, uh, Joe Staley, offensive lineman for the 49ers, and also Fred Taylor running running back for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So uh, the Senior Bowl uh, Hall of Fame. Uh, Mike, I don't. Uh, you, I know you don't get a vote for the Senior Bowl Hall of Fame, but uh, I'm sure that uh, Reggie Wayne is very deserving of his spot, as uh, we hope that he has a, is deserving of the spot in Canton, of course, too. Yeah, I'm with you. I had no idea, but you know, it's better to, <laughs> it's better to be in it than out of it. Yeah. So good for Reggie. And uh, Joe put this quote from Reggie. I believe my experience at the Senior Bowl turned me – from a mid-second or third-rounder into a first-rounder, I am truly honored to be inducted into the Senior Bowl Hall of Fame. Playing in this game ended up being the best decision of my life. And I'm sure as Reggie was putting that out there, he was having an adult beverage as he normally does. <laughs> so good, good, good for Reggie. I mean, again, we, we, you know, we're making a little bit of light of it, but uh, that's a pretty good group he's in there with, with Jordan, Sertain, Staley, and Taylor. So kudos to Reggie. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and Joe, I know the Senior Bowl has become uh, just important over recent years. And heck, if you don't have a combine, the Senior Bowl gets even a little bit more importance probably this year. 
Um, and we, we've seen the Colts go and pick players from the Senior Bowl in the past. Darius Leonard's probably the most uh, obvious, more recent example, but there's certainly been others as well. It's something that Chris Ballard really, really likes and really uh, values in terms of evaluating prospects when they're actually competing on a football field against the other prospects in the draft. Yeah, and you really hit it on the head. The Senior Bowl a couple months ago, they were able to put it on. So kudos to uh, Jim Nagy and his staff there for putting on the Senior Bowl when we're you know we're not having things like the Combine because of COVID. And so the Senior Bowl was one of the rare chances for a lot of these scouts to kind of get up close and personal with some of these players. Maybe not as up close as in years past, but it, it's it kind of has added weight this year without other um, availabilities for teams to evaluate. No significant developments for the Colts in free agency this week, but Pro Football Network's Tony Pauline does report that the Colts are still interested in Eagles tight end Zach Ertz. So here's the, exactly the report. Um, uh, Pauline says that Howie Roseman, the uh, GM of the Philadelphia Eagles, wants too much in return for Ertz. Um, the trade, potential trade that they had going with the Chargers uh, blew up because Roseman wanted a third-round pick. And uh, the Chargers were not willing to give that. Also, the Bills have since dropped out because of the asking price. But uh, Pauline says he's told the Colts are still interested. Uh, now, guys, and, and Joe, Joe points out that right now, especially after tight ends like Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry uh, and others who were uh, kind of at the top of the free agency class were already gone and that the, uh, the draft class for tight ends isn't that particularly strong, I think it's understandable for Roseman to try to hold out and try to squeeze as much as he can get out of Ertz. Um, but a third-round pick, Mike, that sounds like a really tough ask for me, for uh, especially for a guy like Chris Ballard who doesn't give up picks all that easily. I, I would I would find it very uh, surprising if, at the end of the day, it's a third-round pick that uh, that would bring someone like Zach Ertz to the Colts. Which they don't have a third-round pick. Exactly. So, you know, uh, so yeah, there I we go. It's it's that dilemma when when you're a team trying to to move a player is when you tell people you're trying to move him, you devalue the player. Now this is a little like like you mentioned laid out there. This is a little different because everything in 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 any sport in any business is driven on supply and demand, and right now the supply at the position is really pretty thin. So I I I still believe that a major tight end. For next year on this team is not here yet, and and Ertz makes the most sense. What is he, Joe? Thirty-one. I, I, you know, he's he, he's he's not early thirties, thirty years old. Thirty. And, and again, when, when Frank was when was their coordinator in sixteen and seventeen, their leading receiver was Zach Ertz. And, and, and as we've seen here in 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 Frank's time here, he loves tight ends. He lo he you know go back to Eric Ebron and. And, and, and I'm not. I'm talking more than Jack Doyle. I'm talking the, the move tight end. So, uh, I, I with all of their with all of the issues they have to address in the draft, not major issues. I mean, a lot of major issues, but a couple serious ones with the left tackle, and the pass rusher. Well, that you would think that's round one, round two. Can you really expect to get a, a tight end and a tight end? thin draft in round four or five who's going to step in and make a difference probably not so Ertz makes a lot of sense but when you've only got six picks and one of them's not a third round pick I'm not sure how you know would you would would should Ballard give up a a four or a five for Ertz maybe a five because you know what are you getting it in, in round five 
uh, as far as unproven talent or, or whatever. So, but I, I wouldn't close the door on Ertz, but I tell you, Howie's not going to get what Howie wants from the Colts on this one. Yeah, Joe, what would you be comfortable giving up for, for someone like Zach Ertz? I, I think that all of us agree that the Colts could use more big play production, quote unquote, at tight end. And uh, Frank Reich has shown that he uh, and Chris Ballard has shown that he's willing to go out and get them the past couple of years, uh, gone out and uh, acquired guys like Eric Ebron. Trey Burton had the, the at least the the intent to be kind of that guy even if he didn't stack up to the same level that Ebron did. But but what would you feel comfortable the Colts giving up for Zach Ertz? Yeah, apparently a fifth-round pick is not enough for Howie at, Howie at this time. Maybe he eventually does it. But I say give him a fifth this year and a fourth next year and call it a day. That kind of seems about fair to me, Zach Ertz. He's got one more year left on his contract. I think it's 8 or $9 million, so not crazy expensive, but not exactly cheap either. Um, like I said, he'll be 31 come November. So he's a player who's aging and coming off probably the worst season of his career. A lot of that was because of injuries, but you know, he's not exactly leaving the Eagles on a good note here. So I think a fourth and a fifth round pick is probably about the best the Eagles are going to get for him. And I think it'd be worth it for the Colts to bring in that player because he's going to mean more to the Colts than any other team because of his connection with Carson Wentz. So I think it gets done eventually for about that asking price. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it's kind of in the same vein, guys, as the uh, the Wentz trade was really for for the Eagles and the Colts. Like you get you get one pick for sure this year. If this happens, you get one pick this year. If it's a fifth round pick, and then something next year is a contingency pick. Like oh, he it's for sure going to be a fifth round pick, but it could become a fourth rounder if Ertz does this, this, and this. You know, if he plays this many makes games, makes the Pro Bowl. Or yeah, something, if he makes yeah. this many catches or this many touchdowns, whatever it might be. So. Um, I mean, Howie Roseman and Chris Bowd have already shown the uh, the ability to work things out like that in the very recent past. So um, if that happens, like I said, that would that would not be shocking to me um, if, uh, if something like that does go down and gets uh, Zach Ertz in Indianapolis to reunite with uh, Carson Wentz and Frank Reich. So uh, which brings us back to the, the topic of the Carson Wentz trade. And uh, now we have a little bit of a comparison that we can make as uh, the New York Jets made a trade of Sam Darnold sending him out to the Carolina Panthers for a sixth rounder in this draft and also a second and fourth rounder in 2022. So Darnold goes to the Panthers. The Panthers give up a sixth, a second, and a fourth pick. Carson Wentz comes to the Colts for a third rounder this year and either a second or a first rounder in 2022. So it's it, it shows what different teams thought was the value for these two different quarterbacks and uh joe uh i think it's a good idea to compare these two trades because i know that sam darnold was on the list for uh for the colts uh, he he had to be for guys that you're at least exploring who you might want to bring in as a starting quarterback for your team looking into the future now i've i've given everybody my opinion on sam darnold on this podcast it's not a great opinion of him um, I, I did not think it would be worthwhile to, to bring him in see what he can do and kind of roll the dice just because of his very recent past with the Jets. I, I know that he was he was a big prospect coming out of USC, but uh, didn't show a whole lot in the NFL. You could argue different reasons, different offensive coordinators, lack of talent, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I, I think that I've, I've unloaded why I, I think it's still a bad idea. But um, for, for a sixth rounder next month, a second and a fourth rounder in 22, um, and just comparing that to the Wentz deal, it seems like it's a little bit less for, for Darnold, but 
Uh, still to get a second rounder for Darnold and a fourth round. I mean, this is certainly not the Josh Rosen trade is what I'm trying to get at, Joe. It's it's not like that the Jets completely unloaded him. They still were able to get a little bit in return for, for Sam Darnold from the Panthers. No, they, they got value for him. They yeah. really did. And it's it's it, it's almost like they took the Carson Wentz trade and said, okay, well, we don't think he's quite Carson Wentz. We'll give you a little bit less. Instead of a first, we'll give you a second. Instead of a third, we'll give you a fourth. Um, and that's basically how they did it. Darnold, I mean, he's still just 23 years old and has three seasons in the NFL, which is pretty crazy. Uh, but it, it almost feels like the Panthers are basically taking a rookie quarterback here because we still don't know what Darnold is. He's, you know, he hasn't exactly lived up to his draft type. I think he was, what, third overall back in the day? Um, But he's had flashes where he's looked spectacular as well with very, very minimum talent around him in New York. So I think this is a good trade for the Panthers. They were sitting at eight in the draft. And they're probably going to miss out on those top-tier quarterbacks. It didn't look like they were going to get Deshaun Watson anymore, so they sprung for the young quarterback, and um, hopefully he can work out for them. But in terms of which trade do I think was better, I think the Colts got the better trade in Carson Wentz because at least Carson Wentz showed multiple years of being a high-performing quarterback in the NFL, at least top half of the league. So whereas Darnold, I mean, he could completely bust out and you just lost your second-round pick. I think the Carson Wentz trade is a little better. I would rather have Wentz than Darnold for these asking prices, but I do think they're comparable. I just don't want Darnold for any asking price, Mike. And like I said, I've I've un- un- unloaded why, but uh, so so I definitely lean toward Wentz as the better pick. I'm sure some people will disagree, and that's cool. You're you're allowed to have your opinion. And uh, Joe Joe makes good points that Darnold like there still is a lot of question marks about what Darnold can be in the NFL, and I get that, but uh, but there's just to me, there's 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 very little comparison as to which one would have been better for the Colts, and it's the one that they made, the one that they pulled the trigger on. Well, and the thing is that's clouding everyone's judgment, in in justifiably so, is that Wentz is coming off an awful awful season. Yep. It, but but that shouldn't you know totally negate the fact that he had four pretty good years before that. You know, in, in the three years prior, he had was it eighty one touchdowns and. 21 interceptions you get four to one out of a quarterback i'm telling you that's pro bowl or that that's all pro level so uh it's just you can't get past the you know the the major stain from last year but if i'm the colts and i'm you're rolling the dice you're when you're in their situation and, and it'll be a really a good a good program one of these days when we're just bereft of ideas to talk about how Andrew Luck put these guys in this situation. He did. And they probably should have got it, gotten out of this before now, but but they haven't. So right now they're they're rolling the dice. Would you rather roll the dice on Carson Wentz or Sam Darnold? I don't think that's even a debate. Because at least Wentz has had stretches of very, very good play. I was looking, Darnold was – he wasn't just awful in New York. He was uh, two years ago, seven and six as a starter. 19 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. So, and again, like Joe mentioned, with not a lot of help. But if I if I'm going to roll the dice on what is really the long term future of my franchise, and they, that's what the Colts are doing. If this blows up in their face, and that's possible, they're in a world of hurt. Because you know, from what I from what I hear, it's it's not a really good dra- uh, draft for quarterbacks next year. 
and and it's it's sort of going to try to remake it with another, you know, Matt Ryan if Atlanta lets him go. So Jacob Eason season. Well, there there <laughs> there you go, and you and you know even less about Eason than you know about Wentz because Eason hasn't played. So it's that they're really. So again, if if they're wrong, it's really going to cost them. But if they're right, giving up a, a three and a one, that's a small price to pay. You, you look at, and you have to look no further than a team like the Jets to see what happens when you take a swing on a quarterback and you miss. I mean, the Jets uh, for Darnold right now, like I just told you, they got a sixth rounder, a second rounder, and a fourth rounder because they had to cut bait and move on. Back uh, in 2019, a couple years ago, the Jets gave up their sixth-round pick, and three second-round picks, their sixth overall pick, rather, and three second-round picks to move up and take Darnold uh, to the Colts. So they moved up three spots, and they gave up three second-round picks, basically, to move up three spots, which comes down to, like, for Sam Darnold, you traded away, essentially, Quentin Nelson and three second-round picks. And now you're getting a sixth-rounder, a second-rounder, and a fourth-rounder in return. So, Mike, that just goes to your point. If you swing and miss on a quarterback, it sets your franchise back uh, for the foreseeable future. Well, and why is Jacksonville in position to get Trevor Lawrence? Because they, they've whiffed on, you know, like the last two or three quarterbacks. And, mm-hmm. and and of all the positions, we've talked about the reason they still need a pass rusher is because they, they whiffed on Basham and, and maybe on Teray. But a quarterback is just, is just so much more detrimental to what you do. I, I remember, and we've talked briefly about it. I remember talking when we were talking with Frank Reich about having that. You know, hey, it was great having Rivers last year, but when you have your quarterback in place, you can build your offense around him. What does he do? What does he do best? Well, let's get this receiver who does this. Let's get that tight end who does that. But when you don't know who your quarterback is, how do you how do you really look for the future? So so hopeful. That's why I say, if they're right on this, Wentz is their quarterback for the next eight years. He just is. If not, we're talking about this next year in two years, and we're talking about a team with a lot of the right pieces in place, except the one that really matters. Mock draft time couple more mock drafts out this week including one from our very own joe hopkins here you can follow joe online at roto street joe for plenty of draft news and notes also follow us as a podcast online at colts blue zone i am at dave g underscore sports mike chapel is at m chapel 51 but it is joe's mock draft that is now online fox59.com cbs4indy.com log on check it out see what you think about what joe has to say joe i'll let you break down what exactly you see for the colts because hey this is the work that you've put into it so the floor is yours yeah i have the colts going at 21 offensive tackle tevin jenkins from oklahoma state they absolutely have to solve that left tackle hole that they have just hanging out there and haven't really addressed through free agency um Jenkins is just a big bulldozer of an offensive lineman he's nasty he, he loves throwing people into the turf um at his pro day he measured in almost 6'6 317 uh not the longest arms that that elite length that you're looking for but it's above kind of the cusp 33 and a half inch arms is good enough to get it done uh and he showed off his strength with 36 bench reps um I saw after I put this out somebody was kind of chirping at me on Twitter saying, oh, great, a right tackle. Um, players can switch positions in the NFL. We saw it with Jedrick Wills last year. He's a right tackle Alabama. 
had a great season at left tackle for Cleveland. Um, and Tevin Jenkins is a player, he started seven games at left tackle during college. He was primarily a right tackle, but he did have seven starts at left tackle. So he's shown he can play at that position as well. And with other tackles like um, Christian Darisaw and, of course, the top two tackles, Pene Sewell and uh, Rashawn Slater off the board already, the Colts took the next best option in Tevin Jenkins in my mock. Mike, we've, we've discussed plenty of times uh, on this podcast that it's offensive tackle, edge rusher, really, in the first two rounds. And um, if you had to pick one of the two, uh, it's probably probably offensive tackle. Sure, it depends on who's on your board, but um, that's that seems like the, the bigger uh, position that needs to be filled. And uh, at the same time, you're talking so much about the importance of a quarterback, but if you don't have a, a left tackle to, to protect your quarterback, we saw what happened in the Super Bowl when tackles are... Uh, not protecting the best quarterback in the world right now in Patrick Mahomes. So that, that, that's a, that's a must fill. I think it, I, it would be stunning to me if one of the first or second round picks is not taken on an offensive tackle. Joe has it taken in the first round right here. Yeah. We saw it in the Super Bowl, and we saw it. We have seen it every time that Costanzo hasn't played. Yep. How yeah, this, this offense simply doesn't operate that well. Now you could argue that they, they need better backups, but it, it's not that easy to say we got a, we got a pretty good backup here because you know, pretty good backups at left tackle are probably somebody's starter elsewhere. So, no, I I, I guess my only question is, can, can you get a – I hate to use the word serviceable, but that's kind of what we would get to in the second round – a second-round tackle or not? Because it's a deep group, but the further you go back, the, the less player you get. So, I, I guess if I prioritize the two, pass rush and left tackle, I, I prioritize left tackle. I've seen – Three or four left tackles. Go. Somebody had. Is it Darishaw? Yeah. I don't. Th- he de- he doesn't get to him. Uh, I don't it, think he does. Cosme is he is he a possibility? Is he is he more of a second rounder? Eichenberg, uh-huh. Eichenberg's probably a second round option. I just don't want to be sitting there in the middle of the second round and, and have the top seven or eight tackles gone. Uh, you know. And again, I think we talked about how the Colts are done in free agency. I think they are until the draft. If you don't get your guy, do you, then do you try to find that veteran guy that's still out there as a short-term fix? I don't like that approach. I just think if, if you've got a tackle at 21 who you like, you take him. And could you've got more if you, if you trade back and try to recoup your third? Maybe. But I think this is one of those where it's such a need. I, I don't want to say that you can, you can manufacture a pass rush because I think this pass rush right now is not very good. I don't know who you focus on. Teray? I mean, Tyquan Lewis, who? So, but I, I think the overriding urgency at left tackle, if, if unless there's just a player that, that just blows you away, and I hope to heavens it's not a receiver huh. or, or even a corner, as much as you need a corner. I like what Joe's done here, and I just hope that it's the old thing where best player available intersects with the need because – Goodness gracious, they need a left tackle. And, Joe, we talked about this a week or two ago here on the podcast. Is kind of the tiers a little bit, but but we'll, we'll focus on that once again and maybe go a little bit deeper. Um, you, you mentioned Sewell and Slater. I mean, there, there's like a 0% chance that one of those two guys dropped to the Colts. They're, they're expecting to be maybe top 10 picks, certainly taken in the top 15. But, the, but there's a group after that. 
you know, group after that that is viewed in many mock drafts and, and you know, among many scouts as still first-round uh, talent there at tackle. It includes USC's Elijah Vera Tucker, uh, Christian uh, Darasaw of Virginia Tech. Uh, Tevin Jenkins is, I think, right on that edge as well. And then, uh, then you get into the guys that might be more day two picks that you see sprinkled into a couple first-round mock drafts, guys like Liam Eikenberg of Notre Dame, Sam Cosme of Texas, plenty of other ones, Alabama's Alex Leatherwood, Michigan's Jalen Mayfield. I mean, um, they're, 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 like we've said, this is a very deep draft for tackles. But, but also, as Mike alluded to, you don't want to pass on a guy in the first round and then have a run soon after you. That's something we talked about uh, last week, too. I mean, there's a group of three or four teams right in front of the Colts, uh, you mentioned it, that could all really take a tackle, that could all use a tackle. And it's going to be a very similar situation in the second round as well. So, I mean, if, if you find yourself on the tail end of a second round run on tackles, that's just a lot worse than the tail end of a first round run on tackles to me. Yeah, and it's going to be tough for the Colts to trade up if they have a guy right. they're targeting because they already got rid of the third round pick. You know, ideally, in my mind at least, and um, this is actually who NFL.com's Daniel Jeremiah, his latest mock draft, has the Colts taking Christian Derrissaw out of Virginia Tech. But that's the ideal player for the Colts to land if, they, if he makes it to 21 because they're obviously not getting Sewell or Slater. But if they can land Darisaw, who started, I believe, three years at left tackle Virginia Tech, gave up no sacks last year, was just terrific, um, kind of fits everything you're looking for uh, after those top two guys are already off the board. If the Colts had it, maybe a third-round pick or something, maybe they're willing to give up a fourth or whatever to go get that guy. Maybe they can jump up to 15 or 14 or trade with 14 with the, the Vikings because I believe they're missing their second round pick. Yeah. Um, so the Vikings might be willing to trade back and recoup some draft capital. But it, it just makes it tough. I don't know if the Colts – I would guess they're probably going to be patient uh, and not give up more draft capital to go up and get their guy. And so they're probably going to be patient, wait, and if one of the tackles that they really like isn't there at 21, maybe they trade back a little bit, mm -hmm. recoup some more draft picks, and then get one of those – guys who's thought of as a second round pick at the tail end of the first round yeah Mike sure. kind of on, on that note I, I would I would believe that trading back is more likely than trading up especially when you've already traded away your third round pick this year right yeah it's, uh, unless that guy's there uh -huh. you, you, you don't I don't think you try you value a third round pick so much that you think well we really like this guy at 21 but maybe there'll be somebody there at 26 or 27 because th th then you're rolling the dice right and, and maybe joe can talk about this but i kind of get the feeling that, that at 21 if the draft goes the way most people have it going that the colts are going to be sitting there looking at a pretty good tackle or that edge pass rusher who maybe is got the big upside but maybe you don't you know Rousseau, boom or bust Boomer, but yeah, I don't know if Rousseau would be Boomer Bust, but he's a guy that opted out. But then you get the Michigan guy. Is it Quitty Quitty Pay? Quitty Pay, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so I can see them having that that role in that. You know, but when you're having that discussion when you're on the clock, do you want the do you want the left tackle that we really like, or you like the pass rusher that maybe he's? So I, I that'll be an interesting discussion whether they go with a guy that maybe this left tackle is not going to be a seven time. Pro Bowler, but but he's going to be Costanzo. Could you live with Costanzo for another Costanzo for ten years? I could. Darn right, I, I could. 
or do you want that pass rusher, that boy, you just kind of wonder if he's that next guy. Uh, but that's why, again, unless something happens squirrely, I just think they they need to come out of this draft one, round one, round two, with those two crying needs, and then you kind of do what you want th- with the rest of the draft. But to think you can get a tackle, you can address tackle and pass rush in, in rounds four and beyond, it's it's just unrealistic. Yeah, and it's certainly it's certainly very within the realm of possibility, Joe. If you take a look at your your mock to say, hey, the Colts maybe do take a more of a flyer. I use that in quotations. I don't know on on one of those edge rushers that Mike is referring to. Take somebody in the second round, whether that's Cosme that drops that far. Maybe it's Jalen Mayfield out of Michigan who started at right tackle, and then at the same time, you then can go out and maybe sign an Alejandro Villanueva, who is still out there, a left tackle for the Steelers for the past couple of years, many years maybe. Um, I don't know exactly how long he's been there, but it seems like he's been there for a while. But he's 32 years old, so no one's out there paying big money for him in free agency. So right now, if you're the Colts, you can you can take that and say, draft a guy who's a little bit more developmental in round two um, and kind of do what you planned to do with Braden Smith at that time. The Colts didn't plan to start Braden Smith year one. They, they drafted him there. They thought that he was going to be a starting offensive lineman and maybe even a guard long term. But then you had a slew of injuries. And um, I forget the player's names. I can I, I can picture the guy in my head who exactly it was or the two guys I think got injured. And then oh, I guess you got to put Braden Smith in there at right tackle. And he turned out to be Jamar- much better. Jamarcus, Jamarcus yeah, Webb that's was it. one of them. Yeah, Webb. Webb was the one that I was thinking of. He was the guy that was uh, scheduled to be that, that starter that first year. Right. So. Like right. maybe maybe that's that's the plan you do. Maybe you take the the edge rusher in the first round, you draft your tackle of the future in the second round, and then you sign a guy. Um, I I think Joe that the that that would also be very likely if the guy that if someone like a Darisaw doesn't fall to them or Vera Tucker doesn't fall to them if they're just not totally sold on uh, on who you have them taking. You have them taking uh, Tevin Jenkins. If they're just not quite sold on him, and they might be for all I know, but if they're not there yet, maybe they take the um, the edge rusher at that point and wait for the second round. you agree? Yeah. I, I Maybe it's the price with the offensive tackle, but I don't know. If that's the strategy, I don't know why they wouldn't go ahead and just sign the tackle and then go into the draft um, unless they hope their guy is there and then afterwards right. then you can kind of fix your issue. Um, but yeah, I, I think that'd be a great way because it kind of looks like there's better offensive tackle for each available than defensive end. I think Justin Houston's probably the best defensive end still out there. Melvin Ingram's out there as well. Um, but it just kind of seems like unlikely. I agree with you. Kind of what we're getting at is it seems unlikely they're going to be able to land two definite starters at defensive end and offensive tackle within these first two rounds and they kind of need to sign somebody um, who's going to you know what you're getting at that position that's why real quick I, i'd take the the different angle than what you were talking about dave is, is why not get that left tackle in round one and yeah. then if you then if you don't get the, the pass rush around two then fine get one of those deep receivers that you can get and then you've got mm-hmm. Justin. Then you've got Justin Houston as your fallback. I would almost rather have Justin Houston as my fallback pass rusher than pay what it might cost to get a left tackle if you don't get that guy, whether it's Villanueva or someone. And, and by waiting, these these veteran guys, Villanueva and Peters and all these guys, Ingram, they I just don't see them getting the big contract now. Now, can you get Villanueva for 
six million? I don't know. Eight million? I don't know what it would cost. But I just wonder, like you say, to, to get the guy that you know. You don't know Villanueva. You know Justin Houston. So get get your tackle, and then it, I hate to say if you have to because then we're it, you're settling for Justin Houston. But at least you know what you're getting with Justin Houston. And it, it, is it enough? No, you want more. So I I do think it like Joe said. I think it's going to be really really hard to get to address both of your needs adequately in rounds one or two because round two, what are you fifty four? I think it is. Yeah, the the, I think bot- so. the bottom third. You're not, you know, you're down there, and you're not going to get as good of a player. You're just not. So if I could only get one, and really only get one, I'm getting my left tackle, and then I'm going to try to make do it pass rush, and maybe that is a fallback with Justin Houston. And again, that second round pick, I wouldn't be surprised if that's one that Chris Boward is looking to move around if he wants to recap, recoup that uh, that third round pick he traded away, or maybe another fourth round pick there. So, I mean, we've seen him wheel and deal in the past. So. Uh, at the same time, if if you if you kind of solve quote unquote solve one of your issues in that first round, who knows that second round pick might not even be there, might not even be taken by Ballard. So, and, and that's why we love this time of year because there's so much there, there's so much intrigue, there's so many options that that can possibly uh, go down. And I, I think uh, Joe, you kind of uh, alluded to it briefly, but I, I think if Christian Derisaw falls to the Colts, I think that's an ideal scenario in the first round. That's what NFL.com's Daniel Jeremiah has happening, uh, and, and the intrigue for that is, I mean, there's guys like um, uh, there, there's good corners in this draft too. This is a really good cornerback draft. You could see a couple of those guys jump up a couple spots and and then push some of the offensive uh, tackles down. Guys like a J.C. Horn, who NFL.com's Peter Schrager has going to the Colts, uh, saying he's a kind of a tone setter in the secondary. We kind of match the fire that uh, that Darius Leonard has. So uh, this um, this is just. Uh, the, there, there's so many options right now. Um, Michigan defensive end Quiddy Pay uh, coming to the Colts in Pro Football Focus's latest mock draft. Uh, CBS's Chris Tapazo, um, excuse me, has Minnesota wide receiver Rashad Bateman. Uh, if if the Colts take a wide receiver in the first round, I would I would be very surprised, and also I think I would be disappointed. Um, but uh, then again, like I like like we've said in the past, there there were a lot of Colts fans that were disappointed when they took Reggie Wayne in the first round because you say, hey, we already have. Uh, we already have Marvin Harrison. What are we doing here? There's plenty of other, um, plenty of other choices. So, like, I, I give my opinion in, in very much a, uh, a muted tone that it should not be taken as gospel truth. But um, if it's wide receiver, I would be surprised. Defensive end and offensive tackle, as we've said before, would be the two very obvious choices. Cornerback, I think maybe you can get on board with because some of the depth in this class but uh, but Joe, like this is just the Colts are going to have options in the first round. So it comes down to Chris Ballard, who like how much he trusts the scouts. I mean, I, he, I'm sure he trusts them very much. But how, just how like how, how the scouts have have graded these, how the Colts scouts have graded these guys, how the medical goes this weekend with some of these guys. So uh, there's just so many so many factors coming into the decision what the Colts make in that first round. Uh, that is what what I'm trying to get at is there's there's like we 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 show you just a little a little sliver of the information that is that is before Chris Ballard's desk and um, and we over the next couple of weeks hopefully we'll get a little bit more going there but uh, like like I've said I think Darisaw is would be the ideal guy in that spot if he falls to you 
And who knows, maybe some other teams fall in love with guys like a J.C. Horn or a Pay, and they go a little bit higher, and then Darisaw is able to fall to the Colts. Yeah, what do you guys think? You know, J.C. Horn, I mean, if he makes it to 21, that would be a bit of a fall for him because he could be the first corner off the board. Joe Horn's son, uh, and he had a ridiculous pro day, 4'3", 40, 44-inch vertical. He's long, he's tall, he can run. Uh, he has that attitude. What if he gets to 21? The Colts don't like their left tackle options. They're going to sign somebody or hit up that in the second round. And they go, you know what? We like Horn more than any of these other pass rushers available. And we still like our three second round picks that we have currently on the roster that we hope develop. How about we go add to our secondary, add to our coverage instead of going for the pass rush? Because it's still a move to better defend the pass. Um, could you see the Colts doing something like that, even though it's not the more, I, I don't know, it's not what we've necessarily been talking about, but I could see Chris Ballard going, this J.C. Hoare guy is one of the top players on our board. Instead of pass rush, we still have three young players that we hope develop. Let's take the corner and give them an extra second to get to the quarterback. That wouldn't be surprising to me. Like I said, I think I can get on board with that. And that's the argument, Joe. That That's it. Like, if you're just too scared by the boom or bust by some of these defensive, uh, these edge rushers that are in this draft that would be available to you at that point, uh, Horn seems like more of a quote-unquote sure thing prospect. And I use that term, of course, very loosely. But, uh, Mike, like I said, I think I can get on board with cornerback if you don't like your options at either tackle or edge rusher when it comes to 21 this year. I can get on board with it if you tell me what your plan B is at left tackle. Yeah, whether that's again you, you you swallow hard and you go after a, a Villanueva who again was he thirty two? I think he's thirty two. So look it's not it's not it's not like he's Jason Peter who is like fifty. Uh, <laughs> so so you you could you could theoretically bring a, a guy in here who's still got three or four or five years on him. The only issue I've got at at corner is I wonder how how they value that guy if you're going to play more zone than man and you know ideally you'd certainly much I'd much rather have a quality pass rusher to speed up the quarterback than a quality corner to to, to cover for an extra second but uh, these guys are never ever going to pass up quality players and if Horn is there and he's Number ten on Ballard's board, and Darishaw is fifteen, and and other guys are, are are lower. He'll take him. He will. But again, then I say, then what's your option at at left tackle? Do you move down from twenty one and and try to get? Is it cost me probably a late first round pick? Would he would he be there in the twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight range? Uh, I don't know. Villanueva is uh, 32. He turns 33 in September, FYI. Joe Joe Thomas played for a long time, so just because you sign that guy. Now, again, to to go the veteran left tackle route, it it, it would be probably, at this point, an affordable option, but it can't be with the idea that, well, we'll sign a one-year deal, and if he's the guy, then we'll sign him into an extension next year. And... It'll be a massive contract for a left tackle, and with the makeup of this offensive line, you see, I see it very difficult to bring in a left tackle and start paying him $16, 17000000 million a year when you've already got the center. The right tackle is going to make money. 
the left guard's going to make a bunch of money. So, so many reasons the draft needs to provide your left tackle either in round one or round two because it really messes up the rest of your roster if you don't. Hey, and who knows? Maybe the Colts already decided they're moving Nelson to left tackle, and they're just going to wait and take that guard yeah. in round four. If we if we if we're sitting here the day after the the, the the draft is over, and there's no left tackle, then it's either Quentin Nelson or Braden Smith. It is, but but to do that to, to move Braden Smith, and who's your right tackle? So the one that would make the most sense as far as the makeup of the roster is to put Quentin Nelson over there. And then you sign the guard. Who was the guard they signed? Was it from Carolina? Uh, Chris Reed, who's a Reed, starting maybe guard. Maybe Danny Penter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but but then, but then you're then you're messing up a the, one of the areas that you think is really not you think one one of your strong points. So I you know I've always said I'd be an awful awful GM because I I would be driven by need. I just would. Doggone it! I need a left tackle. Doggone it! I need this. I remember when we went back in the day Bill Tobin was here running this, and he told us about reaching for players. And he said he, w- he was uh, cured of that when he was in Chicago, and they had they needed a left tackle really, really bad. And they had a third or a fourth-round grade on Stan Thomas. I think it was Stan Thomas. And they took him in round one because, doggone it, they needed a left tackle. And it was a big mistake. So I, I you know, these guys won't do that. They're not going to reach like that. But if you want, if you want to go somewhere else in round one or round two, a corner. I've seen people have the Colts taking a safety, which I don't agree with that at all. But that's fine. Tell me what you're doing at left tackle, and then maybe I'll come off the ledge. So there are plenty of options going to be for the Colts, right there, sitting at 21. Uh, we've discussed a couple of them, broken down a couple of them. And uh, this is just uh, just continuing the discussion, as we will continue to do for the next couple of weeks. What day is today? It is April 8th right now. And the uh, NFL draft begins, is it three weeks from now? It's got to be three weeks Correct. from now. Correct. Yes, yeah. 29th. Three weeks from today, April 29th. A lot to happen between now and then for sure, as the Colts start to continue to build toward uh, their future, whether it's an offensive tackle, a corner, a defensive end, so many different options. Um, guys, uh, Joe, I know that you did a lot of research here on, on all these, um, let's see, all these uh, tackles, so I don't, want it, I don't want it all to go to waste here. So um, I know you had, you had Jenkins there at, um, at 21 for the Colts in your, in your specific mock draft. If they pass up... Uh, Jenkins in the first round who from these guys might be available on day two do you think I'm not day two on in round two for the Colts round two I mean you'd be looking maybe Sam Cosme's still there um there's a pat a chance uh Liam Eichenberg is still there although I kind of in my mock drafts I kind of have a section like other considerations right um and, and I list three other players that they might have taken instead of Jenkins and my top one was uh Eichenberg. So he's kind of like that borderline first round pick. He could sneak into the back end of the first round, could be a second round guy. The thing with him is he doesn't really have the length that you typically see at offensive tackle. 
32 and a 3 8 inch arms. That's kind of on the shorter side. That's more of a guard where you're kind of protected by two players next to you. So how much do they value that length? Could they say, you know what, let's just have a Notre Dame left side of our offensive mm-hmm. line and go Eichenberg and um, Quentin Nelson? I, I kind of get the feeling that might be something the Colts are into. So I think Eichenberg could be a good option. Maybe in round two, uh, Alex Leatherwood. Um, who who has almost 34-inch arms. He does have that length. He's a big, powerful, strong guy, but he, he's not quite as uh, quick and has that agility and movement that you normally look for in a, a premier left tackle. Um, but maybe he's a guy, they say, you know what, he's got the length. Uh, he started at Alabama. He played in the SEC playing against good pass rushers. He's a guy who can at least be an adequate left tackle for us for a few years, even though he might not have Pro Bowl potential. Um, Another second rounder, Dylan Rundes from North Dakota State. Um, But he's a player you kind of wonder because of where he played, if he's going to be ready right away in year one to go ahead and start for the Colts. He's almost a player who, you know, the talent gap from North Dakota State to the NFL is much larger than, say, Alabama to the NFL. So he might need a little bit more time. That's kind of the range that the Colts are looking at in the second round. And it's kind of players where you're either sacrificing day one readiness or you're sacrificing overall ceiling on the prospect. There's a great website. You got, if, if you fans out there want to check it out, I mean, I think um, without the, uh, the NFL Combine, uh, NFL.com is still a pretty good resource for a lot of prospects and a lot of different grades. And I'm sure Joe really did a deep dive on a lot of these. But if you go to NFL.com front slash prospects, I mean, it gives you uh, the grades that the NFL.com reporters have on all these guys, some insight they have on um, and, and certain grades that they've given um, all, all these different players. Um, so, so first I would certainly encourage you to read Joe's mock draft and see where exactly he has different players going. But also if you, if you really want to dive deep and be as crazy as Joe, if your underwear fix is just not, not met just, uh, just yet, even by looking at old YouTube videos of the combine, uh, head on to NFL.com front slash prospects. I've been kind of looking around there. Um, just, just myself over the past couple of days as I'm getting ready for this podcast. But um, the, the, those guys and, and Joe as well, like it, it's not just um, like one or two people that, <clears throat> excuse me, that we're taking information from or that we're gleaning information ourselves. There's, there's just a lot of different um, factors that go into the grades that they produce down there and the uh, information they have. So it's just, it's just, it's just a good resource. And, and part of being a well-informed uh, fan or journalist specifically is just having multiple resources, multiple sources. Uh, Chap can certainly attest to that. But uh, it's, um, it, 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 like I said, this is a good resource if you want to really dive in. And, and a lot of these like strengths and weaknesses, guys, uh, Mike, it goes into what exactly you want to do on offense, as, you, as you've alluded to earlier. I mean, if you have a tackle that um, really blows people up off the line, um, that's one. That's, that's great. But you might just want a guy who can who can stop a guy in the run game. Maybe your run game as as an offensive staff isn't predicated on blowing somebody up off the line and moving him back three yards. Maybe it's more along the lines of meeting someone and staying with him and keeping somebody like in um, in, in your grasp, in your uh, in your direct uh, line of sight. So like strengths and weaknesses. As you go down, you read all these strengths and weaknesses of these guys. You see things like that. 
Like, uh, he, he can blow somebody up off the line or really lacks explosiveness off the line. Like, that can be a strength for some coaching staffs, Mike, but it, it could not, not matter to some coaching staff. So it goes into a lot of those factors and who the Colts might view as higher on their draft boards than a uh, just a general scout would say, hey, this guy is a, quote, NFL player. Like, there's so many more specifics that different teams look into when they're looking at all these players. Well, and one thing to keep in mind, with all the speculation of Quentin Nelson going to left tackle and and maybe he would be a top 15 tackle. I don't know. For a guy that's never played it, that, that would sort of be a slap in the face at all left tackles. But you, you move you move him to left tackle, well, he, he's probably the premier pulling guard in the NFL. And, and what do you lose in, in your offense when you don't have that pulling guard in your run game? So there's that trickle-down effect, and that's why I say with all that they've done, I think the last thing the Colts want to do is start moving guys around and you sort of get hints from people. Kevin Mawai was talking the other day about how, how it's not that easy to move guys around. But like we said, we, we, when you've got the right pieces in place, then you build. You can continue to build on what you've got instead of altering to, to fix what your new quarterback is. So, again, it, it, this just reinforces the incredible interest that the NFL has, whether it's the combine, whether it's the draft, whether it's OTAs, it's amazing. Uh, the, you know, 10 years ago, maybe there weren't nearly this many mock drafts. Now they're all over the place. And and this isn't just guys throwing names out there. This, this is Joe and everybody doing their homework and, and, and trying to make educated projections. And I think it's kind of cool. I, I, I'm well past the time when I need to see grown men running around in underwear, but I know I, I know you people are out there, and, and Joe, I know you're near near the top of it. So good good for you guys. Uh, I'll, I'll listen to you and, and and avert my eyes from the visual of grown men running around in underwear. We're going to have to title this podcast something about underwear, Joe. So you're you're going to have to work on that before we get this posted later today. Yeah, I might have to run that by my manager, but that's okay. Brief, briefs or boxers? There it is. <laughs> we thank you for listening to this Colts Blue Zone podcast. Encourage you to subscribe. Get it delivered to your podcast listening device every week, whatever it might be. Three more until the NFL draft comes on April 29th, likely that week of the draft will go out a little bit earlier than our typical Thursday afternoon evening drop. But just be on the lookout for it. And like I said, if you subscribe, you get it delivered whenever it drops. So for Mike Chappell and Joe Hopkins, I'm Dave Griffiths. Thanks so much for watching, listening, and we will see you next time on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Mm-hmm.